Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Well, good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone Church. My name is Mike, and I'm the lead pastor here. It's good to see you guys. Doing well? It's good to see you. Hey, we're in a series titled The Gifts of Christmas, and we're moving through, excuse me, this Advent season, um, talking about hope, love, joy, and peace. Uh, If you didn't already get one, in the uh, foyer, there is a devotional book uh, for you. Uh, It's got a devotion for every day uh, leading up, thanks, Brianna, appreciate it, leading up to Christmas. Um, This week, we're talking about love. How many of you got one of these last week? got one of these? I've been reading this with my family at home. We read through uh, Hope last week, and I felt like it was, it was well-written, pretty good. It gave us some, a scripture, good thought for the day, and some follow-up questions to discuss. So if you haven't gotten one of those, go ahead and pick one up uh, on your way out today. You know, as we think about Christmas, I mean, what would Christmas be without the songs and carols? I just went uh, to see uh, my daughter, Havily, and Reno perform at the Luhai Christmas this Friday. I was there Friday. You sang a lot this week, didn't you? A whole lot between rehearsals and um, with the shows and whatnot. How many people came to those shows, do you think? A lot, around 1,000 altogether. Well, you guys did a fantastic job. I know I was, I was really blessed by what you did. Um, you know, what would Christmas be without the songs and the carols? Uh, maybe a little bit saner. I mean, how, how many of us have heard those carols now just this holiday season probably two dozen times already, right? I mean, we're kind of on repeat. It seems like they've got the same about 20 songs or so. Well, let's see how well you know some of these Christmas carols. I thought I'd play a little game with you here to, to open it up. Name that Christmas song, okay? And so just kind of shout it out if you know it. Uh, we're snuggled up together like two birds of a feather would be. What song is that? We're snuggled up. Sleigh ride. Right. Very good. Uh, When we finally kiss goodnight, I'll hate going out in the storm. But if you really hold me tight, all the way home I'll be warm. Let it snow. Absolutely. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. You got it. What'd you say? (laughs) I'll be home for Christmas, yes. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. What is that one? R- rocking around the Christmas tree. You got it. Nice job. Very good. That's m- one of my wife's favorite songs. Um, and then I've, I'm going to play this one for you. Guys in the back, cue this up for us. Listen. In the meadow we can build a snowman. We'll pretend that here's Parson Brown He'll say I am married, we'll say no man But you can do the job when you're in town So, which song is that? That's not Frosty the Snowman Winter, Winter Wonderland Winter Wonderland, absolutely That was Michael Buble singing there How many of you knew that last one? Did you get that last one? Okay, now if you didn't raise your hand, how many of you knew at least one of those songs? At least one. 
Okay, that's most of you. And for the, just a, the few of you who didn't know any of those Christmas songs, here's one for you. All I want for Christmas is you. Well, that one's easy because it's, the words are the title, right? And if you don't get that one, you, you will on the way home. Okay. Now, do you notice a theme here? Okay, we're listening to Christmas music, right? Now, Valentine's Day might get all the glory for being the holiday of love, but it's pretty clear that Christmas uh, holds a corner on the market of, of love and romance. Do you agree? In fact, uh, a recent survey conducted by Brides Magazine found that 19% of all engagements occur in December, making it the most popular month to get engaged. And can you guess which day in December was the most popular day to pop the question? Christmas Eve, followed by Christmas Day, and then after that, New Year's Day, and then in fourth place is Valentine's Day. So for all the glory that Valentine's Day gets for being the holiday of love, Christmas is dominating that section of, uh, of our lives. And you know, there's nothing wrong with celebrating love uh, during the holiday season. Uh, I mean, like if you know someone who gets engaged this holiday season or during Christmas Eve, like, they can, I'll celebrate with you, right? But uh, depending on where you find yourself amidst all of these tunes of singing about romance and love and mistletoe and, and whatnot, um, you, know, you can either feel a lot of happiness or a lot of loneliness. Um, I was just talking with uh, someone yesterday as uh, my daughter and I were running some returns in Castle Rock, just some different things, and and it got talking with a, a, a woman, and she, you know what? She's just heartbroken during this holiday season. And it's interesting. I, I find myself bumping into people where the holidays, it's either a loved one passed away during that season, or they got divorced during that season, or something tragic. One of their most important relationships disintegrated between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And every year, it just seems to remind them about that. How many of you know someone like that? It's just uncanny, and it, it's unfortunate. But either way, wherever you find yourself in, in that, uh, on that spectrum, uh, too much focus on cuddling in the cold or meeting under a mistletoe can blind us to the real love story of Christmas. And that's where I come in today. As we begin to uh, continue our Advent series, I want to talk about love. I want to talk about God's love, specifically how it uh, what it's like, what its defining characteristic is. I want to encourage each one of us to experience it anew, uh, not just today and this week, but all throughout this holiday season. And then lastly, I want to encourage us or challenge us, however you see it, to, to share his love. See, that's really how it goes. Once we experience God's love and we, we come to understand just how unfailing, just how powerful it is, and we know that for ourselves. It is truly life-changing, and it compels us to share it with those around us. And that, in a nutshell, is my sermon today. You see, love has been God's story from the beginning. From the moment of creation, God has been loving humanity. From the moment that he placed Adam and Eve in the garden and provided them everything that they needed, even when uh, they, they, they sinned and they, they, they messed up big time, I mean, like really big time, Right? They, they had repercussions all throughout the rest of, of human history. God was right there. He had in that moment already prepared a way for them to be redeemed. He had already prepared a way for them to continue having a relationship with him. See, that is really 
what God's love is all about. Is, is this Him doing everything possible to continue a relationship with, him, with us, even when we didn't want a relationship with Him. He kept stepping forward, kept putting Himself out there, making a way for it to be possible. We don't often think of the law this way, but even the law, with all of its rules, uh, was given as an act of love to show his people how to conduct themselves, how to interact with him and with others in a way that, that would please him and would benefit others and would allow them to continue having a relationship with them, with each other and with God. And so from the creation to the law, all throughout human history up until uh, the God of the universe chose to be born in a stable. God has been loving us. And that is what I want to remind you of today. See, the word Advent means coming. It means arrival. And it's a series marked by expectation and waiting. It's, it's not just an extension of Christmas. It's a, it's a season, really, in which we remind ourselves of everything that Christ's coming brought to us. It brought to us hope, real hope. I talked to you last week about hope and how the, every single one of us has hopes for the future. Hopes that something, a change or a relationship in our life will, will uh, move forward. There's something that we're, we're really wanting to see happen. And if, we're, if we are uh, not careful, our natural, naturally our circumstances can cause our hope to ebb and flow. And so I encourage you in order to stabilize your hope in this season and to help you build confidence in this hope, I reminded you of how God came through in the past and the ways that God came through in the past for you that should fuel your hope in the present. And then I also encourage you to hold on to scriptures because those scriptures, those promises that God makes to us, those things also act like an anchor for our soul. And so as we continue moving through Advent, we focus on what Christ brought to us. He brought to us hope. He brought to us love. Next week, Pastor John will talk about joy, and then I'll come back and talk about peace on the 22nd. This is a wonderful season. I look at Christmas as a catalyst for change in our life because if there's anything that's central to Christianity, it would be the coming of Christ. And so it, during this season, we remind ourselves of these things. Well, if you've ever seen kids, and most of us have, unwrap uh, Christmas gifts, you know that they kind of just dive right in, you know? They just kind of plow right in. That's kind of like the most fun part for me. I like just watching them un unwrap and shred things. Um, how many of you adults are kind of like me or a bit anal about wrapping paper everywhere and so as it wraps, you like catch it in the air and put it in the trash? Does anybody else do that? Thank you for nodding. I don't feel alone in this. Um, so let's dive right in. Let's talk about God's love. Uh, the first thing that I want you to know about God's love is that it is unfailing. That God's love is unfailing. Why would I choose to describe God's love as being unfailing. Well, it's not that I have described it as unfailing, but it is that God chose to use this word to describe his, his own love, to describe his, himself when he presented himself to Moses. Look at Exodus chapter 34. Turn there with me. Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 through 8. Exodus 
is chapter 34, verses 1 through 8. And you're probably thinking, man, Pastor Mike, that's a long way back in Scripture. That's a long way from, from Christmas. Don't worry, we'll, we'll bring it back around here in just a second. But if you do a quick, uh, uh, a quick search in a concordance, a biblical concordance for love, you will find many, many references to love all throughout scriptures. And one thing that I noticed as I was looking at these references is that the word unfailing is often attached to it. In fact, in the concordance I look through, I mean, like almost 70% of the, the references that I saw at a quick glance had the word unfailing love in front of it. It seems to be a, a common uh, adjective to describe the Lord's love for us. And so let's read this together. It says, Then the Lord told Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I will write them on the same, I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets. You smash. Be ready in the morning to climb up Mount Sinai and present yourself to me on top of the mountain. No one else may uh, come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. Don't do not even let the flocks or herds graze near the mountain. You know, that sounds really really scary and ominous, but I really think even in that, that's an act of love. I think God knows if I, when I come down in all my presence, in all my glory, anything even remotely close to it will probably die. And so I'm giving you a heads up. I need you to back up a little bit, okay? Don't come anywhere near the mountain. And so Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hand. You think you're doing a lot of work carrying like a little backpack of water up a mountain when you go hiking. He's carrying two stone tablets, all right? So he goes up the mountain, and then the Lord, here it is, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, the Lord, that is. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Verse 8, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. And so we find, of all the things that, that God could have used, of all the words he could have used to describe himself, I mean powerful, majestic, Mighty, creator, all these various words he could have used to describe himself. Look again at verse 6. He describes himself as a God of compassion, a God of mercy, a God that is patient. How many of you are glad that God is patient with you? Oh, how many of you are glad that God is merciful, that he doesn't give you what you deserve, and that he has compassion on you, that he resonates with your feelings? And we're with where you're at and what you're going through. I don't think you understand that. Think about resonance. When something resonates, it matches the frequency of whatever is moving. And when your heart is moving, God resonates with you. He doesn't, he, he comes in phase, is a physics term. He comes in phase and he's right there, right there with you. Resonating, feeling what you feel. This is how he describes himself. And then he says, I am filled. I looked up this word and it says that it's, it's enough. It means it's enough. It's more than enough. 
It's abounding. So he's saying, whatever need you have, whatever part of you that needs love, mine is enough. And not just enough, not just to get you to the top. It is abounding and overflowing. And this is how God describes his love for you. And then he says, filled with love and faithfulness, which speaks to this word of unfailing. Something that is unfailing is constant. And not just constant, but also free from error. Constant and free of error. And so we have to understand that God's love towards us, he never stumbles himself through his relationship with us. He never interacts with us in a way that, that isn't beneficial to us. And that is really hard for us to see sometimes, especially when we're going through some of the things that, that I know you guys are going through because you, I call you or you talk to me or you email me. And I want you to know that, that everything he knows exactly where you are. His love towards you, just no matter how terrible that circumstance is, his love towards you has not failed. Even when your love fails him, or my love fails him. Man, I could think of dozens of times, multiple dozens of times, when my love has failed God. When I have failed God. In Jamie and I, we were sitting on the couch the other night and we were talking about, just I told her I was preaching about love and, and something, conversation came up with somebody. I was recalling it to her and I was saying, you know, it's, I'm so glad that God doesn't love us in the way that other people love us because other people, it's a conditional love. Even I have a, a limit and even God gives us a limit. Look, Think of marital love. He even gives us an out. If our spouse commits adultery and they are unfaithful to us, he says, you can divorce them. He gives us an out. But did you know God never gave himself an out? He never gave himself an out. When Several times in the Bible, he talks about Israel being an adulterous people, wandering away. And in my own life, when I've wandered away, or in your life, when you've wandered away, and you didn't love him like you knew you ought to. Or you didn't even know you should love him. He didn't walk away from you. How many of you are glad for that? We're talking about the unfailing love, the faithful, unchanging love of God that is free from error. And when we get a hold of that, that changes our lives. Listen to how, uh, what Paul says about God's love. He says in Romans 5, 7, and 8, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. I mean, we're talking about a good person. Most aren't even willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Translation, he sent Jesus, that's the Christmas link, sent Jesus to be born to empty himself, Paul says, empty himself of his divine privileges 
become God in a bod, limit himself to everything that that uh, it means to be human. Every struggle. When he stubbed his toe, it hurt. Right? When he slept, he snored. Right? He needed to use the restroom just like everybody else. And when he got hungry, he went to the pantry. He probably ate Mary out of house and home when he was 14. Right? He limited himself to that. He felt what we did. And he did all that when we did not love him. When our love was failing God, he still came. He still was born. He still lived that perfect life, died that gruesome death, and was raised for our justification. Even when we didn't love us, God did not give himself an out. He didn't give, us, he didn't give himself an out. Even when he would, might give us an out with each other, he didn't give himself an out with us. And I'm thankful for that. I want to try something that I've never done. You guys know I like to do conversation breaks here and there, but this is something that I've never done as we think about God's love. I want to pause for five minutes before we wrap up our sermon. And I want to do something called study and share, okay? And anytime you do any, something new, I know it's going to be awkward, okay? But you're going to get over it, okay? So you're going to form groups of three to four, okay? Maybe a fifth, that's fine. Okay, uh, three to four or five people, that's fine. I want someone in the group to read Luke 15, one through seven. Okay, read it aloud. If, uh, someone in your group, I'm sure, is comfortable. And then I want you to, someone else to answer, how does this story illustrate God's love and action? And then answer the last question together. Has there ever been a time in your life when God's love found you? I'm gonna give you a couple minutes. So stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Find someone around you to partner up with. Maybe mix it up. Mix it up a little bit. Okay? We're going to look at this and then we'll come back and we'll finish up this sermon. Make groups of three, four, five. I've heard of it. I've read about it. I've dreamed about it. I've cried about it. I've searched far and wide, high and low, but every time I come back empty-handed and broken-hearted, I ask the questions, what does it look like? Where can I find it? Does it even exist? I longed for it more than anything. And just when I was about to accept the fact that love was not meant for people like me, it showed up. When I was at my weakest, love showed up. When I was at my lowest, love showed up. When I was ready to run, quit, and hide, love showed up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Love, it found me when Jesus found me.
Amen. How many of you are glad God's love found you? In that passage of scripture that you study, you see how the shepherd is going and leaving the 99, finding the one that was lost. You know, that's, what's a, that's a beautiful picture of, of God's love for us. I, I, I would even go so far as to say, you know, in sending Jesus and even just in making him come and, and him coming as a, a baby and uh, is just like that shepherd going to find us out. It was, it's amazing. And I'm glad that God's love found me. How many of you are glad for that? Amen. So we talked about God's love in its defining characteristic in that it's unfailing. And it's good to know that, <clears throat> but until you respond to it, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good. Which is why in the next five, ten minutes or so, I'm going to encourage you to do two things. And the first is to experience God's love. To experience God's love for yourself. If you remember back um, at the beginning of 2019, we, I preached a sermon called The Holistic Gospel and how each of the four gospels speaks to a different need. Uh, a different need that people have prior to coming to faith. And John's gospel is the one that, that probably resonates most with me because while Luke's gospel is very factual in, in me being a, a man of science as well, I, I understand that side of things. And yet, I don't feel like I need to know everything there is to know before I can believe in God. I just experienced his love. I, I know I had experiences with God when I was maybe 10 to 12, but when I was 15 or 16, that's when God, I really consider when I came to know the Lord myself. It was like I wanted to serve God. It wasn't just my parents' faith or my grandparents' faith. It was now my faith. And speaking of my parents, it's so good to have my dad here today. Thanks for coming. Help me out while Jamie's gone. I have wonderful parents, godly parents, wonderful grandparents on both sides, um, fantastic in-laws as well. But when at about 15 or 16, it became my f- faith because because I had my own experience with God's love. And I can't describe it. I just know that He loves me. He, he always loves me. I, and I... I wish I could give that to each of you, or and especially to my children. Um, I told you a few weeks ago, there is nothing, no higher prayer I could pray for you as your pastor, or to pray for my children as their father, but that they would come to know God's love like I do, and even better. Because if they experience God's love for themselves... They won't have to understand everything. And when they do make a mistake, like I have, and they will, and I will, they just know that God still loves me. That God still loves me. I was explaining it to, one of, to my son like this. I said, I said son, you know, um, when, you, when you make a mistake, I don't kick you out of my family, do I? 
I don't, I don't kick you out of my family. Especially when you come and you, and you feel bad and, and you're like, Dad, I'm really sorry about that. And I said, oh, I forgive you. No, you know, let's, let's move on. Let's learn from it. And I said, God is much, much the same way. Just because you make a mistake, you think something, feel something, do something, say something, and you know you ought not to, God doesn't, he's not kicking you out of his family, especially when you come to him and say, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Help me. How many of you have prayed that prayer probably 10,000 times? Yeah. And yet his love has not failed you. I need my kids to understand that. Paul said in Romans 8, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you might not see Christmas in that, but I see it today. Because where I see the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I see Him coming. I, am, I see Him humbling Himself, taking the form of a slave, and dying a criminal's death. And if there is another greater form of love, uh, expression of love than that, then I'd love to hear it. But I don't know of any, any greater expression of love in all of history than that. You know, about love, Albert Einstein said, you can't blame gravity for falling in love. That's true. <laughs> have you ever been in love? Most of us have, right? <clears throat> and if, there's a good, if so, there's a good chance that we do something loud or crazy. You know, some guys, when they want to propose, they, you know, they, uh, they put it on a big screen, like in a stadium or something like that. They proclaim it, right? Uh, and and they, they let everybody know. Uh, they name a star after that woman or something, right? You know, it's like they got to express it and shout it out and let people know that they, they love this woman. We can't help it. Love overflows. And I think that the gift of God's love is the same way. When we actually experience it for ourselves... We cannot help but share it. We can't help but share it. I told you um, last week, I think it was, that when I was younger, I, man, I could hardly, there was a season in my life where I could not hardly go to bed if I had not at least shared God's love with someone that day. If I hadn't witnessed to somebody, if I hadn't done something to, to like, be a light I just, I, I like felt compelled. I, I remember even one time, it must have, I, I could drive. I, I was old enough to drive, and it was probably 9 o'clock at night. And I, I hadn't done anything that day. And I thought, I'm going in my car to the gas station, and I'm going to pray the whole way that the Lord gives me an opportunity to like tell somebody about him. And, and sure enough, I did. I had an opportunity. And I say that, 
that's, that's all well and good, but I say that confessing at the same time that I, while I will share my faith, and, and I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I'm a pastor and I, I have dedicated my life to this, I don't feel quite as compelled as I used to. And I wonder if it's because somehow maybe I don't love the Lord like I used to. I don't know. I'm wondering out loud. But I have to ask you that question, or you have to ask you that question, and say, why do I find it so hard to talk to someone about Christ or to invite them to church or to pray for them? And I, and I think it comes back to our love not being quite as strong as it needs to be. Because when we love somebody, we can't help but tell other people about it. I love my wife so much. And in, when I'm teaching class, I can't help but like just throw out random stories about her or, or tell people, man, my wife is like the best cook I, I know. And my, my grandma and my mom are fantastic cooks. And my wife is way better. That's who I say, right? My dad would argue differently, right? And he should. And my grandpa would argue differently, right? But you can't, do you see how when you have this love and you experience this love for somebody, you can't help but share it. I mean, we even do this with the movies we like. Oh, I love that movie. Let me tell you about it, right? But how come we don't feel that way about Jesus and about what he's done for us? And so this Christmas, here's what I'm trying to do this Advent season. And I was talking with our worship director, Greg, about this. And, and he, he actually inspired me in this way. Because he said, you know, I find I have to be really intentional about sharing the love of God at, during this season. The hurry uh, of the season, the worry about the upcoming year or different things at work tends to choke out the intentionality of like, just passing out one of those invite cards or bringing in food or bringing an extra coat, you know, checking the closet. It takes time to go through your coats and go, yeah, I haven't worn that in a while. I'm going to donate that. You know, that's intentionality. You have to have this strategy to pray for the people that we pinned on the boards, okay? I, I've, I'm probably hitting right around 50% this week. I'll just level with you in praying. I thought, I need to be intentional. I need to set a reminder in my phone to pray for the people I pinned on that board. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And so this is, this is where I'm at. I find I need to have some sort of strategy, some sort of intentionality in order for me to share God's love to a greater degree this holiday season. And I would encourage you to, to do the same if you need that. Um, but maybe you, there's something else that you need in order to sh uh, share God's love. It could be a little more quality time with family. It could be calling that friend that, that you know is going through a struggle and you just need to reach out to them or you haven't checked in with on a while. Maybe it's apologizing for something. The Christmas time is a catalyst for change because all, most of our hearts, I would say, are softened. We're softened by the season. The songs, especially the, 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 the Christmas hymns, soften our hearts and put us in this frame of mind as we reflect on the end of one year and prepare for the beginning of the next, should the Lord tarry. We, we have this soft heart about us. And so if there was ever a time to try to make a change, it would be now. A change in maybe how we share 
God's love or what that specifically means. Maybe it's forgiveness or something of that nature. But right now, I just want to encourage you to think of at least one way where you can, how you can share God's love this week. At the beginning of my sermon, I, I shared that Christmas is truly the season of love. And Valentine's Day gets a lot of accolades for love and romance, but Christmas, uh, both in the songs and in its stats, uh, surpasses them, surpasses all other holidays in that way. Excuse me. But for all of the talk of love between people, scriptures show us that the real love story of Christmas is between God and us. It's Christ in love coming down, God in his unfailing love showing us that just that, that faithfulness. Remember, he did not give, us an, give himself an out. He loved us when we did not love him, and he sent Christ when we did, he did, not, when we did not love him to be born, to live, and to die. And so I'm calling us today to remember that and to let that be uh, an inspiration for us to experience God's love anew and share it in, in a very intentional, strategic way in the next uh, few days and weeks. Would you stand with me, please? Thank you for bearing with me today. My goodness. I actually had a joke for you. Do you want to hear it? It's so emotional today. I didn't mean that. I try to be very balanced in my sermons and sprinkle a joke or a quote here and there. Um, I, I did have... Okay, you ready for this? Okay. God's love is a powerful love. It's the most powerful powerful love. But speaking of power, um, with all the Christmas thefts occurring recently, have you seen that on Facebook? Like people are walking up and stealing your Amazon packages off your porch, okay? So with all the Christmas thefts occurring recently, I built a really powerful electric fence around my property. I thought it was a good idea, but my neighbor is dead against it. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. Help us to experience it anew and to share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. We love you. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that his truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.